Good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Jay with Anointed Radio. I know if you're listening right now, it's about Bible study time and all kind of good things like that. Amen. So, like we do here in Anointed Radio, we start in decency and order. We'll be coming out of Psalms 9 and 9. And it says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. When you're going through things and going through seasons, when you go to God, he'll give you a strength that never tires. He'll, he'll be able to help you renew your mind while going through the, the, the troubled times, those mindsets that that's been so negative that everything seems negative around you if you go to God, God will show you like they said in Jeremiah 29 11 hope, joy, and a future so no matter what you're going through if you feel like nothing is going right everything you do fails that shows you that you need to go to God Dear Father, thank you Lord for bringing us here this evening bringing us halfway through the week. We, we thank you for everything that you've blessed us with, every door that you've opened, even the doors that's even closed. God, continue to be the hedge of protection around us as we go throughout the week. God, continue to help us in the things that we are weak in, God. God, forgive us, some of us that are going through some things that we've backslid. God, we we're trying to be a better version of ourselves, God. So give us the courage, the strength to keep going forward. God, we just thank you for everything that you're doing. God, bless everybody under the sound of my voice. Bless them in whatever situation that they're going through. Bless them in any season that they're in that they feel like they're not seen or heard. That no tear has gone void. That no, that no prayer has gone void because God sees your all. No matter what time, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, God still hears it all. God, we love you. We bless you. We ask you right now to come in and touch everybody in whatever situation that they're going through. Because you saw the best in us. Despite what people say about us, despite how people limit us, God, you, you, you set a bar for us to go higher than anybody's expectations God we thank you for everything the food on our table the clothes on our back and the things that we might not say thank you every day to we want to say it right now we thank you Lord and we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus precious name amen 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 amen, amen. this is Pastor Jay and one thing that I like to say is Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Y'all know that's from. Amen. So, um, one thing I wanted to just kind of say with you guys tonight is that I had I didn't forgot to tell y'all about this story. So I was at work, y'all, and we had a hard lockdown. Mm. And me and Jesus was talking. If you don't know what a hard lockdown is, when you work at a school, if they have a hard lockdown, that means somebody has a weapon on campus. Mm. If I didn't lock every door and turn off every light, 
and even had to turn my radio down a little bit so I could still hear it while I was in the dark just listening. And I was just talking to God, and it made me reflect on, like, man, think about if this was it. And if you asked yourself this, and this is what brings me into this. If you asked yourself, where would you go today? Where would you go? Mm. And why? There's a whole lot. Just people right now listening like, man, why are you starting so deep, Pastor Jay? Can we we get some music first? Amen. But I'm just saying that it was a reflection of something deep because God was like, I could take you right now. Shootings at schools are very common. I mean, when I was a kid, Columbine was unheard of. That was something that no one thought would continue to be a, a trend. And now it's happening every month. So just think about, think about this. And I always say this at church, and I know people could, you know, I'm justified to say that I do say this a lot. But this is one thing I want people to think about. 156,000 people average die a day. And you didn't die. So God obviously saw that you had potential in you. You said 156,000? Average. A night. Went to bed and planned their day for today and did not wake up. And you sit here and complain about petty things. I just, I just wanted to really kind of put that in aspect of where my mind was when I was going through this lockdown because God's starting to like really show me like, if I don't see that I can use you anymore, then why are you here? If you're not being used to glorify me, because it ain't about you, because you can't hardly get yourself out of paper bag. And that's just being honest. We don't know if we're coming or going sometimes. But if I see that you have that potential, that's why, if you think about it, Jesus could have wiped Saul out quick. But he saw that potential that made Saul into Paul. And there's somebody out there that's like, man, I don't know if I could change. No, God sees the change. You just got to be able to allow him in. And you got to realize that don't waste time. That's one thing that you that is the most valuable thing on this earth is time. Because you can never get it back. Don't want to know why I started so deep. I just wanted to leave that little gem out there for you. But yeah, back to silly Pastor Jay. Pastor Jay's here, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Anointed Jaylon J A Y L O N. Um, again, it's Anointed Jaylon J A Y L O N. Twitter, Instagram, and you can find me on um, that good old thing called Facebook that loves to mess with me. Mm-hmm. Facebook don't like me, y'all. I'm gonna just throw that out there. Facebook does not like me. And they didn't bought Instagram, so they're trying to turn Instagram against me too, but it, it's not going to work. They're going to get me pushed over to Twitter. And you know I don't even <laughs> like Twitter. That's horrible. <laughs> if I got to go on Twitter to be able to do my inspirational messages every morning, I don't, it's going to be a long time. I'm going to be like Reverend Run in the bathtub typing on Twitter like, today? <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to just kind of put out there, announcement, hot off the press, Pastor Jay and Just Nia is doing an unscripted Facebook talk show coming up soon in June, y'all. It's going to be every Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Keep checking our Instagrams, Facebook, all that. It's going to be just unscripted. You know, we both in radio. We're both on shows. And it's just going to be off the cuff, real Pastor Jay, real Just Nia. 
can come with your questions. We'll talk about from experiences, testimonials. It's just something that when we, um, it's funny because Stella always grouped us together. Mm. And I was like, man, I ain't with her. I'm like, she, she with just me. I'm anointed radio. I got to let them know this, <laughs> man. Because we're in Las Vegas, and I'm representing Las Vegas. But I was seeing what God was doing. God was showing, especially because we was even featured on the Stellar uh, Instagram page as press. Me and just me and me. And we was like, man, they keep grouping us, but this would be a great show. Mm-hmm. You know, you there in Alabama. I'm here in Las Vegas. We could be able to two different views and do something great. Amen. Get more people to know about God and more people to ask the question that they're too scared to ask their pastor about. And that's one thing that's uh, uh, that's dear to my heart is for people to talk about the things that, you know, they think that it's, it's a dumb question. Like I always said when I was in youth, there's never been a, a, a dumb question in ministry. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And this is Coach Hill. You can find me on Instagram at 910Coach. And remember, patience is a talent that a lot of people don't have. Good evening, everyone. This is Lady AJ, and you can follow me on Instagram at LadyAJ2020, or you can drop me a line at LadyAJ2020 at gmail.com. Hey, man, so we're going to go ahead and play. I think we're going to go ahead and play Miss Janine White. Praises go up. Yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and play that. I'll see y'all in a minute.
waiting on a change to come In the midnight wondering where's the sun You gotta know that God always comes through Just get ready for what he's about to do It's gonna be big Big in your life It's gonna be big Big in your life Oh my God, he's about to blow your mind You better get ready because it's gonna be big So you've been tell you something the next thing that God is gonna do in your life is getting ready to be real big he's gonna do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you could ever ask or think prepare yourself now because it's gonna be big let me encourage you I know you've been praying and I know you've been waiting but don't give up now breakthrough is on the way beautiful ashes joy for your sadness The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now it's not enough room. Hey, what? 
my friend Christina Bell, y'all. Y'all better go download Glowing. That right she now. she is anointed. She about to be a movie. She a superstar. She didn't came on Anointed Radio and got Lord, y'all. I'm telling you, when you come on Anointed Radio, that's what happens. Man, big things are happening. But with that being said, I want to go into our interview with Pastor Davis. You saw how, you saw how deep I got? You got real deep right there. Did Bless you, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Amen. If y'all didn't see the back, like all the little backstage stuff of today's show, It'd be something interesting. It's a show in itself. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, first of all, icebreaker question. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right. Who do you want to win the finals? The Lakers. So that was a great. I interview. definitely wasn't that expecting was, that. that. I was definitely was. Right. That was. A Are great we talking interview. next year? We thank you for coming on to the show today. Um, Brief and fastest interview ever. That was a very fast interview because they're not even in the playoffs right now. I, I'm playing retro games on ESPN. It's happening. Mm. Okay, another icebreaker question because I didn't like that one. So, <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead with the next icebreaker question. What is your favorite hobby? Fishing. I love to fish. What's the what kind of pole setup do you have? An ugly stick. So really? Yeah, Walmart special. It's an ugly stick, and it. What works. kind of reel? Uh, whatever comes on the ugly stick. Oh, so you're a basic fisherman. You don't customize your your setup. No, I just catch. Whoa, that's customizing. Oh yes. See, I'm, a, I, 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 I have a shop at the same location. With a tiger stick. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff. You just, when you came into fishing, that's that was my first thing when I started Do you ministry. Catch? Oh yes, okay. all the time. All right. Hello, somebody. Don't right. don't get me started on that. Ashley, you know what's crazy about fishing? Fishing could bring you to God. Oh, it's the peace on the water that yes. does it for me. I wrote the most fierce sermons because I was in there going through something. God was just talking. I was like, let me write this. I put the pole to the side right. and was just writing, and now I realize. Why people had such why Jesus got fishermen? Mm -hmm. Because first of all, to be a fisherman, you have to be patient. Amen. And you got to open yourself to what's coming, mm -hmm. because you don't know what's under that water. Wow. You know, you yeah, yeah, deep, right? Yeah. You can use that one. Yeah, That's a free I one. Will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was dope. That's pretty dope about fishing because um, I stopped fishing here in Las Vegas, because it's not really that much water you could just roll up and throw a pole to, other than Lake Mead. But if you ever want to go, go to Echo Bay. Best place to go fishing at. Okay. So, dope question. <clears throat> Going into a little bit of background, where are you from? Originally from Los Angeles. I'm from a little quiet town called South Central Los Angeles. He said quiet town. <laughs> like that place ain't had movies behind it. But okay. Quiet town of South Central. Okay, we're... So what high school did you go to? Uh, the state of California. Amen. And then, how did you end up in the Bay? Uh, well, I ended up in uh, Stockton. I actually paroled to Stockton. Okay. Uh, and then Stockton was, it was too compact for me. I mean, it was like a little Beirut. It didn't matter what side of town you were on, you would hear the gunshots. 
and I had to get out. You're telling me there's gunshots in Stockton? Come on, Stockton is one of the murder capias. You know what's crazy is that I want to say 2009, 2010, they called Stockton, West Oakland. Yeah. And that was amazing to me because I used to always say, I'm like, there's cows. Like, that's like saying Brentwood's hard. Like, and we're not talking about Brentwood where OJ lived. We're talking about this country, cow country time where you get your produce from because most of your produce comes from Discovery Bay, Stockton, right. um, Brentwood, and it's orchard with a whole bunch of farmers out that way. Right. So when you hear murder in cow country center, you'd be like, what? That don't, that don't add up. But yes. That's crazy. Well, that's gentrification for you because they had to move everybody out that that's way. That's right. So, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Well, I um, started Blessed Faith Ministries in 1998. And uh, we started with 15 people. And I was the kind of person, I wanted folks that wasn't going to church, people that were on the street. I just didn't want to proselyte from anybody. So, we started hard on the pavement, just talking to people. I like going into the neighborhoods. I like going into the places that other people wouldn't go into. And that's really essentially how Blessed Faith got started. Uh, we now uh, are a little over uh, 250, and we're doing pretty good. That's Amen. Wonderful. Amen. That's wonderful. So tell us about what gave you that I guess you could say that, that, man, it's, it's so hard to describe because when God gives you something, it's hard to describe how, what was the confirmation, I guess you could say, the best way to say it, when you knew ministry is what, you, what you're destined to do? I was in a Bible study. I actually locked up. Um, I had just given my life to Christ, March 26, 1990. But December that year, uh, it was a brother named Brother Ortiz that came to the, uh, youth authority that I was in at the time doing a Bible study. I was sitting there, I'll never forget, Wednesday night. He's starting to talk, and all of a sudden, I mean, Charlie Brown kicked in. Like, his lips were moving, but I couldn't hear anything. And I start gripping the chair. Everything went black. And I was spooked, because I didn't grow up in church, you know. So I'm having a, another God experience that's blowing my mind. All of a sudden, the sky went blue, and big block yellow letters just kind of scrolled across the sky with periods in the middle that said preach, mm. preach. Then a, a podium uh, or a pulpit, if you will, kind of just came out of the clouds and, and rested on me, and then my eyes opened. And all I could hear was a buzzing noise. I still couldn't hear his voice. For three days, I just sat in my room like, what in the world just happened? Mm. Uh, there was a Church of God in Christ chaplain at the place at the time uh, called me to his office out of the blue and said, what did you see? Wow. And so when I told him, it was a week and a half later, I was actually given my first sermon in the Youth Authority. So it was divine for me. It wasn't, oh, I think I'm going to preach because I wanted to be John Gotti. That's not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. So, now, fast forwarding, done ministry, you've done a lot of great growth in ministry. How did you get to your book? The book is a story that, that really needed to be told. 
I struggled with this book for probably oh, at least 10, 15 years. I struggled because I felt it was hard for me to profit off the dirt I did. Mm. And so I really had to come to terms with there's a story uh, that other individuals need to hear that's a message of hope. And I had to get over, you know, the fact that, yeah, you're going you to make some money from this book, but the essence of it is to tell the story. There's mm. a lot of young Amen. folks out there right now that really need to know that the life that you hear about in the rap music, what you see on TV, that's not real. Uh, most of those guys have, have degrees uh, and have college educations. They're studio gangsters. It's not the life uh, that you really see. So the book uh, came from that. The other struggle was uh, I had to change the names to protect the innocent uh, because we really deal with what happened uh, during my, my life in that time in, in L.A. Amen. How, how, long were you, how long were you in? I did uh, eight and a half uh, years, but that's not really the... the uh, the catch uh, to the story. Uh, I went to prison uh, for two counts of first degree murder. Uh, I was guilty of sin. Everything they said I did, I did, and I did some stuff that they didn't get me for. Uh, during the course of court, I end up with double life plus two. Wow. So, uh, I mean, do the math. If I die, come right. back. I gotta die again, right. come back, and do two more years. So I thought I was never going to see daylight again. So for me, uh, it was trying to find out how to survive. How do, how do I survive in this place? God was the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, it wasn't until a little lady uh, who was a, a CEO, if you will, um, I didn't wreck with everybody else. I was in my room pretty much 23 hours a day. I came out for a shower and for an hour of recreation, sometimes sun, sometimes not. Most of the time I was shackled uh, and everybody else was gone. I was considered a red level or dangerous or whatever. But she was about 5'2", and uh, I was able to walk in this little area. She called me to the CO station. Her name is uh, Cosetta, and uh, she started talking about Jesus. and. I was in the least bit interested. I mean, I I was lightweight, racist. Uh, what did this white man's God do for me? I mean, I had issues. And uh, she just kept pouring the love and pouring the love. And for a minute, I thought, man, I'm getting ready to hook up, you know. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't understand God, you know. I knew it was love that I was feeling, but it wasn't that kind of a love. And she kept pouring Jesus. That night when I went to my room was the game changer uh, because I prayed a real prayer. Uh, it, it wasn't any religion to it. It was simply, God, if you're real, because I'm not even sure. But if you're real, then come do something with me. But if you're not, then get away from me and don't bother me no more. I start feeling a burning sensation in my stomach, and I hadn't cried since uh, one of my friend's funerals had died. I start crying, and then all of a sudden out of my mouth, 
I started saying, thank you, Jesus. I never did this ever in life. I knew something had happened, but because I wasn't an avid Bible reader, I wasn't sure. But I knew I had an encounter with God. I knew that even if I wasn't forgiven, I met him. That was sufficient for me. It was good. The next day, I got a Bible. I start reading, and the revelation of God's knowledge really start hitting me. I'm on my way back to court. I'll never forget it. Uh, I'm being extradited to Florida uh, for drug trafficking. Florida, 15, they can put you to death. So pretty much my life is over. But I'm content because at least I met God. I, I'm thinking I'm possibly still going to hell because I didn't heard about it. But at least I met God. Shackles, chains, walking down uh, over across the loudspeaker. You hear the words, dead man walking. Mm. I'm crying for a couple of reasons. I'm crying because I met God. Uh, I'm crying because the compassion for what I did is starting to kick in. Uh, but I'm also crying because, for me, this is the end of my life. The road is getting thin. Mm. I walk into the courtroom. My dad's sitting there. My mom is there. Uh, the judge uh, is looking at me, and the DA is just on fire. You, you can see it. And uh, the judge tells me, don't sit down. Uh, you're an animal. You're, you're a thief. You're a beast. You're a murderer. And if I had my way, I'd lock you up for the rest of your life. If, bless me. I watched a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. If is a conjunction. Hmm. It means something's getting ready to happen. I looked up and, and I, I looked at my attorney. He said, I said, he said, if. And he shushed me. He said, the evidence that we had against you has been tampered with. Hmm. Uh, and we got to throw it out. So there's no extradition. And because you're staying in California, you're 15 years old. It's 1988, right before Prop 89, where you could be charged as an adult. And because you're 15 in the state of California, we can't give you life. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got to eight and a half years uh, where I was going to spend 10 years in the California Youth Authority till I turned 25. But I ended up getting out two and a half years early uh, for good behavior. And you know, that's a very deep thing, what you yeah. talked about, talking about when they changed the laws in California um, to try a child mm. as an adult. I remember that, that story. That's when, you know, I was raised by my grandmother, so, you know, she watched the news. And I remember she told me about, I was heading down a path, let me just say that. And she would always remember. Remember, I guess you could say remind me of about the story about the young man who was doing a wrestling move on the other child and he killed that child and he got sent to prison mm -hmm. he was a child and he got sent to prison that's when this proposition went in mm -hmm. and they tried the first child as an adult I was one of the reasons why Prop 89 came in it was me and two other brothers, y'all might know them as the Mendez brothers. Yeah. 
uh, and chopped up their parents. Uh, I knew them personally, but it was myself and those brothers. So 88 is when all that happened. In 1989, Prop 89 came out. Here's what I have to say about that, and I'm sitting on the other side of the gate now, is, yeah, we were 15, but honestly, by 12, most of us had already lived a life. I started selling drugs when I was like seven. So if you can imagine by 12 having more money than I could even know what to do with, start carrying guns and, and living... Uh, in houses that, that we actually owned, mm -hmm. uh, but weren't in our names. So, <laughs> yeah, in most people's mind, that's a child. Uh, but truth be told, many of us had already lived a life by the time we were 15. Right. And you know, and that's such a, 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 big, a big thing in the Californias, you know, as a full state, because it's not just you know, South Central or Compton. Right. It's Richmond, it's San Francisco, it's, it's Oakland, all of California. The same mentality. We might do it different. We might rep a different, you know, some rep cities, some rep colors. But the thing that's crazy is that I think every big mama has always said this. If you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to either end up dead or in jail. Well, I mean, you got to look at it, and, and this is a little on the political side, but the pipeline to prison is really formulated by second grade test scores. Mm. So they are building prisons based upon second grade test scores. Mm. So the system is not really established for us to be able to succeed. It's private industry prison, uh, really uh, established by politicians and the top 2% of America uh, that are driving uh, those individuals into that system. So it was built for us to go to it. Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't uh, like a, a rehabilitation type uh, format. No, it's, it's money. Right. Where it only costs about $7,500 a year to educate a student while it costs $136,000 to imprison somebody a year. Where's the balance in that right so you you have a lot of structural issues that go beyond just somebody cutting up and, you know and that and that's what's big you know i i can definitely testify to it because if you look at well i, I come from richmond california i've seen it all i've known it all and i've even done stuff myself that i shouldn't have done but if that was the only you can't judge somebody by the only available choices that they have you know, a lot of people can't understand that phrase I just said because, you know, when you come from a privileged area and you only, you could get advice to somebody, but if you never lived it and never saw how the grooming process was, you know, from a child, it's easy to become a lookout. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a kid, you know, it's funny, me and my, uh, me and my best friend, we still do it to this day, we go, yay! A lot of people don't know what that means. That meant the police was coming. That meant that the D-boy that we were working for that gave us that dollar, that gave us that $5 to be going to the, the corner store. Now I'm a six-year-old boy that can now walk to the corner store with 20 some dollars in my pocket. Back, especially in the 90s, that was a lot. And we think in the innocent, oh, we making money, we got this. And my cousin who introduced me into it, who 
that that's was crazy. I didn't have to go far to find it. I didn't have to go to a new neighborhood. I all I had to do was sit on my on my stairs in front of my projects and be like, I'm here, and the world came to me. So now just think about that. How is it getting here? I still to this day, and I always I, I talk about this as as an awakening thing. I still don't have a passport to this day. I know a lot of people that still haven't left a city to this day. So if they can't do that, then how is drugs coming from Colombia into our neighborhoods? How how is the thing? And you see, and it goes back to like you said, it's a as a political way of looking, you know, because I I live now in a nice prestigious neighborhood. I would never see what I saw growing up, but now looking at where I'm at now to where I came from, you see why things happen. You can't sit there and be like, well, they put it on themselves. Did we? I lived in Richmond where the Chevron caught on fire twice. No. So, and that's the crazy part. The, the, the things that you really look at in your neighborhood really affects the opportunities that you have. And that's real. That's despite everywhere. I've been to the ghetto, and, and, and I'm comfortable in America. I've been in the ghetto in Georgia. I've been in the ghetto in South Carolina. I've been in the ghetto in a lot of places. And it's the same factors. So you can't tell me that it's, it's not because of something putting it being put in place. Like I've always told people, despite Republican or Democrat, which people love to gangbang on nowadays, the ghetto's still the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Until you get out and do something like the Panthers told us a long time ago and change up your neighborhood, if you don't care about the neighborhood you live in, why would somebody else that's being an investor care about it? Stutter. Yeah. Jim out there. Yeah, Mr. Davis, I want to uh, take you back to that moment when the judge said if. I want to take you to, like, later on that night. You back in your cell. Did you have another conversation with God that night? Or did you praise him? Like, wh- what was your what was your feeling to basically being non-existence hearing dead man walking to I'm going to be free one day and be able to change my surroundings and also change other people. I don't think that the uh, that that was the defining moment. I think the defining moment was when they actually took the chains off of me. Mm. Uh, the judge ordered the chains, take the chains off of me. So they unshackled me right then, and uh, that was a defining moment because the reality of freedom was really starting to set in. Uh, I didn't go back to a cell. I went back to general population. So my whole world has just changed. I mean, I'm seeing sunlight. Uh, I'm getting a real, well, it wasn't a real meal, but it was a better meal uh, than I was getting. And so uh, when you hear scriptures, because at that point, you know, I was digesting scriptures. uh, And there was one scripture, uh, whom the sun set free. It's free indeed. And so just the ability to be able to take the shackles off and go to the bathroom without being chained was amazing to me. Amen. Uh, I think that the the sharing came in is when I got back to the dorm, it, it almost happened naturally. Uh, because I was known, people were trying to figure out, how in the world are you in general population? Because it was a high-profile uh, type of case. And that's where I began to share what, what we now call testifying. Uh, but I just begin to share, man, one night I met God for real. 
I mean, he came to my cell. I, I, I've never experienced anything like that. And they begin to ask me, are, are you, you know, Baptist, you Muslim, what are you? I said, look, I met God. I didn't have a, a explanation. I said, I know, according to my grandmother, that Jesus is the son of God, but I met God. Uh, and so we start having Bible studies. We, they would only give us a little area in the shower, right? We would take a table in the shower, and we would talk about scripture. That grew so much, they had to put us in the day room. The day room grew. They had to put us in the chapel. Uh, the chapel held about 120 people. When that became full, the inmates got together and put a petition in to retire the chaplain and voted me in as their pastor. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. Wow. I applied for Oral Roberts University, got a scholarship to do some online, well, corresponding courses at the time. And uh, so I started college in there and just giving them whatever I was getting, right, because there was nobody there really to be able to train me to really understand what was happening. So we developed a church in the prison called True Rock Fellowship. I got to pause there, though, because I think this is going to bless you. I've seen all walks of life get delivered. I mean, there was a guy walked in with his shirt balled up with, with some size 8 pants that I don't even know how he got in the jail. And uh, when he came and the Holy Ghost got a hold of him, he's flopping on the floor. I didn't really understand it, but I knew God was doing something. The next Sunday he came, you couldn't even tell. Uh, murderers, rapists, homosexuals, all accepting Christ. And their lives are transitioning. I think that's one of the defining moments that really got me released early. Uh, because when I went to the parole board, which you had to do every year, you had to share with the parole board what you did that year, what accomplishments you made. So I pulled out all the certificates. I did every program they had from mill and carpentry to auto body, computers, uh, you name it. Uh, I said, but those things aren't important. I want to talk about it. And I start naming different individuals who were in prison for murder or whatever it was and how they accepted Christ. And when I got through with about four or five people, the chairman of the board was bawling in tears. He took his gavel and started banging on the desk. Now, this was 1996. I wasn't supposed to get out till 1990. Eight. Uh, yeah, I believe that's how I wrote. He said, I can't take no more. He's got a letter from the superintendent that says, since they've been doing chapel service, that crime has gone down almost 65%. We hadn't had a stabbing in like three months. He said, we got to let him go today. And uh, they all made a motion to let me go, so I got out two and a half years early. That was the day that I actually said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because I, I didn't know what, you know, giving him praise was then. Uh, but the day I walked out, mm. I was like, Lord, I thank you. This is unreal. I just, I can't even believe it. I'm never supposed to see daylight again, huh. ever in life. And God is letting me out. And when I walked out of that gate, 
and my mother and my father were there uh, to greet me, it just didn't seem real. I mean, for like three weeks, I slept uh, in my room. I had an apartment in Stockton, and I'm just waiting for them to come get me like they made a mistake. Mm. And uh, the first time my parole officer came to my house and with a cup for a test, uh, I just know today's the day he's going to take me back. And uh, he said, you're doing good. I had a job. He said, just stay focused. Uh, I wasn't trying to minister yet. I was just trying to get acclimated to, to this thing we call church, which wasn't what I saw on the inside. So I, I had some quandaries. Uh, but I became more familiar with praise when I started coming to church on the outside. Wow. Amen. One thing I would, I always like to ask, what would you give your younger self advice about? If I had to do it all over again or give my younger self advice, be a nerd. I mean, go to school. Get it. They are giving away money. I mean, I praise God every time I read a story on Facebook where a youngster has a GPA higher than four and they're busting into the fives and they're getting million dollar scholarships. If I had to tell my younger self, be a nerd. I mean, go to class, study, get straight A's, do everything you can do. Stay away from the class clowns. Stay away uh, from the foolishness mm -hmm. and, and study hard as you can. Uh, because I, I really believe uh, that because of technology and just at the season that we're in, uh, if you have an education, life will be a lot easier for you. And now, like I tell young kids now, there's no excuse. None. You know, you could get a certificate at which, you know, they, they have great programs. I actually helped Miss um, Kimberly Brandt out of Oakland who does Black Girl Code. And some of her girls are making apps and websites that is grossing. And they 12, 15 years old. Mind you this, they're learning code, right? I'll give you a, a breakdown of what code is. When we had MySpace and you changed the background, yeah. that is the basics. And then that's called Buddy, how we did him. He taught us code and we didn't say, oh, forget you, we're going to Facebook. Just saying, throw that out there. I'm sorry, Tom, bring it back. But... One thing that is, is crazy, because there's no excuse, there's so many certificates you can get nowadays, especially in IT. Yeah. There, there's, there's still fields where people are not going to be plumbers. There's a lot of people not going to be electricians, and they make money. So there's, no, like, nowadays, young folks, because I'm going I'm to let you know, just like Lil Bootsy said, Lil Bootsy said simply, if you're going to be in the streets, you gonna either go to jail or you're gonna get shot. That is your expectation. Mm -hmm. Don't right. don't think that you about to be making it like out here all big. You're going to end up somewhere you don't wanna be. Right. Mm -hmm. So go to school, get your get your education and leave all that thug stuff away because like I, I love to say now I'm the biggest square. <laughs> Squares make yeah. money. And, yeah. and that's the best part about it. We, you know, we thought being in the streets was cool. We ain't selling drugs is cool and all that stuff because we saw that. But now think about it. I know a lot of people that I went to school with that ain't on this earth no more. Mm 
Right. I know a whole lot of people that's in prison still to this day right. that I went to school with. Right. And I can tell you right now, they could go back. All that playing around, all that foolishness, they right. could sit right there in school, get their education, and do something about it. Because, you know, what, what is so crazy, if you just change your mindset, um, I'm going to quote Bootsy Gangs up. He's a great artist. I need him to come to Jesus, but he's a great artist. Um, I liked his mindset where he said, man, I, I took that mindset of being a drug dealer to saying, I'm going to sell this music. Mm. Let me make something productive. Let me, say, let, me, you know, let me do something productive to do, you know, to do out here that they can't lock me up for. Right. Right? So I thought that was pretty dope. Well, I mean, there's so much that can happen, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you just set your mind right. There was a, a lot of people that made it out the neighborhood that we used to laugh at and make fun of, and now they're doing amazing things. A lot of times we don't understand that God has gifted us with so much, and all you got to do is discover what that gift is and then get behind it and empower it. You don't have to be like everybody else. We spend too much time imitating somebody else. Amen. Instead of discovering who you really are, what your authentic gift is, and then pushing that and being the authentic you. And some of these youngsters that are coming out now that are extremely gifted, they become frustrated. I, I think this is one of my biggest challenges, that teachers, and, and I'm going to just say it, teachers that are lazy uh, will call a kid a ADHD or you know say that they have a, a deficiency or something just because they don't want to spend the time necessary Amen. with somebody that's extremely gifted right. you're lazy and you don't want to challenge them so if you would challenge a child you would find out that you're not dealing with somebody that's special you're dealing with somebody that's gifted you know most people that cut up in class is because they're not being challenged they're bored if, if they were challenged, they wouldn't have time <laughs> to even cut up because they would be working on something. You know, right. they'd be focused. They'd be so in tune with it. They'd be like, man, nah, I'm well, I, I think that's just some people because I just wanted to be the center of attention when I was in school. I didn't care what class I was in, unless it was math or lunch, my two favorite subjects, plain and simple. I excelled in the net, did everything else, and declined in everything else. Not because it wasn't challenging. It was just I didn't take it serious, and I just wanted everybody to laugh. I just wanted everybody because back home and being and seeing everything going on, school was my outlet. You know, prostitution was outside my window daily at seven, eight years old and stuff. So seeing all that and going to school, well, I got to go back to that. So I'm going to at least make school fun because I have to be here. In my neighborhood, you know, I, I'm everybody knows me. Everything's great. You know, I see everything going on. I see drug deals. I, I seen it all, and everything. So, at school, like some people, they always say what you just said. They're not challenged. No, that's not necessarily the case. It's, it. I say it's seventy to eighty percent of what's going on in the household. What's going on in your surroundings? Because I talk to a lot of youth. I mentor a lot of youth. I coach a lot of youth. That's why my name is Coach, and uh. I always try to, you know, from my, I look at all my past experience, and I don't coach in, like, a bad side of town. I coach where a lot of kids are privileged. So, basically, when I start talking to them and they realize who I am and what I've done in my life, 
I can answer some questions because there's some kids that they got it all and they still mess up. They still mess up. Like you said, the Menendez brothers had everything. Coach, I want to challenge you though. Okay. And I I got it because you say, uh, you know, you you it's not necessarily those that need to be challenged. But I just heard you. You were going to school. You were getting attention. You were trying to make it fun. Uh, you were connecting with people. You were gifted. Yeah. Because what are you doing now? Connecting with people. Yes. And you're challenging people to be their greater self. So you're literally doing what we're talking about, discovering who individuals are and then coaching them to walk in their authentic self. So you were gifted at that time. Even though you were coming out of a bad situation, you were gifted to connect with people. People yeah, knew see, you. Definitely see that. The neighborhood knew you. The school knew you. That's because you were gifted to connect. How many kids are at school and they don't even exist? But you had a gift to be able to connect with people. So you were gifted. And just think if they would have been able to find an outlet for you to redirect because a lot of people don't a lot of time you get punishment because they don't understand who you are and how you learn yeah so that's the that's the issue they don't know who you are and they don't know how you learn you're just a number you come here you're going against the grind you're going against how i teach right now it's a punishment now you're you're a, a problem instead of finding like this because like i always do in coaching when i coach football i find that person that want to act out and i put you in leadership and now see right. how do you act now that you got everybody else responding to and you know everybody is now under you yeah how would you lead them some people take the task and, and they some people and, and, fold. and some people yeah. fold and yeah. then they start humbling themselves to understand, guess yes. what? There's a time to talk and there's a time to be silent. Mm -hmm. And a lot of young people have to realize that because you'll miss it. And it's like I've been mentoring. I, I've this is my first. I guess you could say I I was in the privilege area too coaching, and it was crazy going to the area that remind me of home. And now I'm mentoring in an area where they call it the at-risk school. I really hate that terminology because I'm like, then y'all definitely think I am, you know? And the one thing that I, I talked to him, I remember a young man that came to school late. The principal was coming at him. Tell him, you need to go to school. And he going off like, yeah, I ain't talking to you. I said, young man, come here. I said, your mama made, raised you way better than this, right? Yes, sir. Just go to class. And because he saw I was sincere, and I wasn't thinking about caring about what was going on with the situation. And I wasn't trying to punish him. Because that's what a lot of times we try to do. We try to punish him. He went to class. And the principal was like, what did you say? I said, I said what I needed to say. If we took one young man, young, a young lady, and told them who they really are. Because, you know, the one thing that I really missed back in the day. And it's sad to say, it's, it's, it's jokes on Facebook, but it's it's a, it's a need nowadays, is that Big Mama ain't around no more. Right. There ain't no Big Mamas encouraging and s sowing a seed in the younger youth to show them who they are, know their history, to know that you are somebody, that knowledge is power, that you could be whatever you want to be. Don't let distractions hold you back. But 
that's not being said anymore because you know what? Because grandmas are now GGs and and grandpas are are still in the club and we and they're not focusing on situations of their own because one thing I could say when I become a grandfather, it is a duty for my ancestors that of my grandmother, my grandmother's grandmother that said the same thing to guide our bloodline because guess what? I am a representation of my bloodline. And if you don't take that serious, nobody will. Your name don't mean nothing if you don't take care of it. And the next generation is going to treat it like that. If you don't know your history, it tends to repeat itself. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's the thing that we have to look at nowadays, especially with mentoring these young people. These young people are talented. These young people have gifts. A lot of these young people, and they're getting punished because they are not being mentored. They're not seeing the purpose of what they're doing. They just seeing what they got in front of them, but they can't look up. A lot of people don't look up of what they could do up there. You know, it was, it was crazy. Um, anybody from the Bay Area will know what I'm talking about. There's the um, Cavacot Tunnel, right? And it goes from Oakland to, I think, Lafayette. There's a little tunnel in the Bay Area that you've got to go through. It took me until I was about 23 years old I grew up in the Bay Area to realize there was a house right above that tunnel. Why did it take me that long? Because we always look at what, what we're dealing with, but we never look up. You don't got you 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 so you just so distracted to always look at what you're dealing with, but you never look up. And it's crazy that when I did, finally looked up, because I was thinking about you know the scripture where it says your help comes from the Lord. And where is the Lord at? He's up. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll learn a whole lot of things once you start looking up. You know what? Once you said that, that, that reminds me. I know, I do know my first encounter with, with God now. I used to think it was when I was praying for change in my life. I didn't want to deal with the stuff I was dealing with. But I remember my uncle, who was not religious, was teaching me how to do a backflip. And he told me that if you do a backflip correctly, you will see God twice. So then he elaborated, like, before you flip, look up. Then the next time you see God, you will be in the act of doing the backflip, and you'll land it perfect as long as you look up. And basically, when you look up in the backflip, your head's going as far back as you can, and that's guiding your body. So I would say I was so scared to do it, it, I must have ran 20, 30 times and just did the roundhouse. And then he's like, you have to look up that second time. You have to see God, and you won't be able to backflip. And boom, as soon as I did it, I was able to do a backflip. Been doing a backflip until I was about 36, because that was the last time I did a backflip. <laughs> I cracked about, I think, every bone in my back. It, I heard it. It sounded like I had Dre beats on in my head. It, it was loud. But I think, you know, like you said, you, you could do a lot of things if you just look up. I'm telling you, I've learned. I definitely learned, especially because moving to this desert makes you really know God. You know, because there's some things in Las Vegas. I remember when I got the call to come here, I for sure was like, man, I, I know how what, what Moses went through when they was like, you need to go to Egypt. Nah, I'm good. That's how I felt. No, you going to Egypt. You know, because and, and, there's a lot of situations where 
we put ourselves in situations that we think we can't handle. But we're the only ones who got the answer. And because we're the only one who got the will and the answer, that's why God's coming to us. We just didn't know it. So, Lady AJ, you ain't said nothing. What's up, Lady AJ? No, no. Drop me a line. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I do want to ask Dr. Davis one question because the name of your book is Convicted, Converted, and Forgiven. And Forgiven, I want, could you just talk a little bit about the path of forgiving yourself because we know that the Lord has forgiven you but you know and that and that happens a lot like we 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 have a tendency to have a hard time forgiving ourselves right so what was your what was your process like uh, it's it's been a long mm-hmm. process uh, but I think the defining moment for me is really scriptural uh, when the Bible talks about that God takes your sins and throws them into the sea of forgiveness to remember them no more. So if God has that kind of forgiveness, then who are we uh, not to forgive? So you really got to come to terms with yourself that, that God has forgiven you. So what that says is all these negative thoughts, uh, all these things that try to overcome mm-hmm. you are literally within yourself. I mean, I don't even blame that stuff on the devil. That's all Oh, me. yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when I came to terms with, with if God is big enough to forgive me, uh, then I have a duty to forgive myself. Exactly. Uh, and I don't wear uh, my past on my shoulder. I use it as a tool. Exactly. Uh, but I don't wear it, and I don't wallow. Uh, if you're going to exhale, if you're going to do everything that God has called you to do, at some point you got to get up. Right. Um, one of the reasons why we don't get up is because we're sitting on ourselves. Mm. Uh, so you got to get up. You got to get off yourself. We're our worst critic, and you have to start affirming who you are. If the Bible said, "Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world," then I got to rise above the world's principles and do uh, what the Lord has called me to do. So. It was realizing the realness of the forgiveness of God uh, that allowed me to begin to forgive myself. And it's taken time. Uh, It's taken time, but I've healed from hurting myself. Amen. 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 The battle is won and lost in your mind. Yes, yes. So one thing I want to say is where can everybody find all your information, your social media, your website, where they could buy your book, you know, all the information. Where's your church? You know, <laughs> amen, all that. So uh, this, the uh, Las Vegas campus currently is at 7501 North Cimarron. Uh, we're fellowshipping in Grace uh, Christian Church, uh, church building at the moment. Uh, in Sacramento, we're at 3400 Y Street in the city of Sacramento. You can catch us on Facebook, uh, Dr. L.E. Davis. Uh, dot live is my website and then dr ellie davis on facebook um, and levon davis on facebook Uh, we're all over the place we're just trying to do a work for the lord amen amen one thing i wanted to definitely just say is thank you for coming on you know it it was a blessing it was definitely something that someone needed to hear um and it's great to hear transformation right you know, um, I was getting 
so many flashbacks about when um, we actually had Cali Muscle when he talked about how his transformation mm -hmm. about actually when he was in college you know he was uh, did something and got sent to prison and he said well, so many times God was trying to save him mm -hmm. and he didn't realize it he just felt like it was just resistance and it was it was something that he said if he would go back in time that he how much he would change and just staying you know playing ball and doing the right thing right mm -hmm. and I think it's just so so important to just keep focus right I think that's the biggest thing just keep focus and don't let your situation your temporary situational situations situational I like that word situations um, change your life I, I think it's a it's a thought that, that I, I'd leave with everyone. You know, one post, one text, one great idea away from your destiny. Mm -hmm. You just got to keep pushing. Amen. Amen. He needed to have that on, on his next book. That should be his next book. I spoke it into existence. Y'all heard it here. Pastor <laughs> Jay said. Exclusive. Your one post, one text, one call, one thing away. From your destiny. That's his next book, y'all. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> but it's about that time, so we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. If you need any information or any help or anything or promotional, um, we're here. Uh, man, I appreciate it. You Thank know. you for having me. It was an honor. I definitely appreciate you coming Thanks on. Thanks for coming. Story. And one thing I can say is... It's about that time. It's Wednesday, guys. Right. Everybody pray. <laughs> Everybody pray for me. I'm leaving tomorrow to on the highways and the byways with three children to the good old Bay Area, to my home, to go see my father get married again. Amen. So this should be fun and inspirational. Pray for me with, for the strength and patience. Amen. And Patience is a talent. That a lot of people don't have. I know. <laughs> Two years of that. I know what you was going to say. Amen. Oh, yeah. But one thing I want to leave with everybody is this. Don't let your mistakes determine your future. Amen. And this is Coach here. You can find me on Instagram at 910coach. And I just want to leave y'all with, it's okay not to be ready for the storm. But what is not okay is not adjusting to your storm. And this is Lady H.A. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. And remember, the only way out is through. Amen. Good night, y'all.